All right, hey everyone, Sarah here with episode number 30 of She's Unstoppable. And today I'm really excited to have Kristen of Dime Nails here. So Dime is a nail salon in Los Angeles. I guess like the mid-city area. I'm still new here, so forgive me if I'm not saying the neighborhood as coolly <laughs> as I should. But I stumbled upon Dime and I have to tell you like no bullshit not just blowing smoke here. Number one, it was, I think the first time I've ever gotten a gel manicure that actually lasted two weeks. But I also, you know, I'm coming from New Jersey where I think, I think this is true for a lot of the United States, not so much LA, but like for, again, a lot of the United States, a nail salon is just a basic nail salon. You're going in there, they have no website, they're rushing you in and out, like getting it done as quickly as possible. It's, you know, you're looking for the cheapest thing as possible. And it was so nice to go to Dime and again, to have, you know, this beautiful manicure that lasted, like I said, but also like, it was just so clear how much pride is taken in this business. There's always someone walking around with a dust buster, like cleaning up any little thing and, you know, it was just such a nice thing to witness as a business owner and something that, you know, I was called to highlight, right? So Kristen is here. So excited to have you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. I'm yeah, really pumped about this. So where we start as always in the beginning, I would love to hear where the idea of Dime came from and how you got this all started. So go back to go back to the beginning here. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, nails for me was my, I'm not big into makeup. I'm not big into like clothes. Yes. But I'm more of that like tonal dresser. I've always been an accessories person. So I do jewelry, I do handbags and I do, um, nails. Like those were my accessory items. I like like a gray on gray shirt or, you know, black on black. And then I like my shoes to pop and then my nails to pop and my jewelry. Um, so even since I mean forever, I've just, because I was a little bit of a tomboy too. So I don't know. I just, that was what I chose to invest in. And so from a young age, um, also randomly, both my grandmothers were hardcore, like beauty weekly beauty salon appointments weekly. And they always, when they would take me, my, 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 um, my Ava, which was my dad's mother, um, would take me every now and again on her Friday appointments to go get her hair done. Um, like when I was real small and and she would always get her nails filed and nails done then too. And it was one of those things where you're little and you're looking up to these women that you admire your, your first loves, you know, in that capacity. And they are glam. Like they are getting their nails and hair done every week. Moving fast forwarding into always being on my own obsessed with that process and like, Ooh, I got to get my nails done. Otherwise I don't feel complete. Um, I worked at, I, was a um, buyer of for guests corporate. So I was their handbag buyers, their men's buyer, and then I was their handbag buyer. Um, I was there for about seven and a half years and they were, it was great. It was a great company. It was, it was a lot of hard work, um, but they were, hmm, how do I explain this? It was a place where there wasn't a lot of like room for artistic expression, like your own kind of individual expression. Obviously, they that's not the place to do it. They have their own agenda or their own kind of place they want you to go with it. Um, they have their own ideas about what they want for creation, creativity. Um, and then it was 60 hours, 70 hours a week, like nonstop for seven years. It was gnarly. Um, good. But at some point, I was like, okay. I, and being in an environment, everybody got their nails done, right? Because it's a look. You got to like do the look head to toe. 
And I was like, okay, I could work 70 hours a week or more for myself, one, um, and probably be a lot happier. And then two, I have been obsessed with nails and getting my nails done. And I'm, I'm always making money so that I can get my nails done <laughs> like more and more. And it was, it's not a, it's not an inexpensive, uh, venture if you're not like your nail game is not necessarily inexpensive if you're in it, like you want French and you want bling and you want designs and you want all this. So I was like, okay, I go to a nail salon every two weeks guaranteed. I'm not thrilled about the place that I go. I am a really creative and artistic person. Um, and I... I like love the details. I'm always in the minutia and nails are tiny and like you have to be detailed when you do them. So long story short, it was like, okay, this is my, this is my niche. Like this is where I need to go to really get comfortable and where I want to be for the next, you know, 10, 20 years. This is where I need to go. I think it's so interesting. It's so easy to have a conversation with somebody who's doing it. And in retrospect, I'm sure you probably feel this way. You're like, oh, duh. I was always passionate about this. Oh, I always cared about this. Oh, I had a, I was seeing a need for a solution and a better place and this, that, the other thing. And it's just like so clear and so obvious how it like, oh, that was, again, the thing that I was always supposed to do. But I think so many people, when they're not, before they've started a business, it can be this thing of like, I don't know, they don't see it as clearly, I guess. Like they're trying to figure out like, what should I start? but they have so many problems in their lives or they're passionate about so many things. And I just say that because I think it's just a reminder to everybody that like most of the time the answer is right in front of you. It's oh, like, it's hardcore. It's like slapping you. Yeah. It's not even in front of you. It's literally slapping you like yeah. grandma's shoe when you're bad. I mean, it's seriously. Well, the other thing too is, I mean, we all come from different places or backgrounds or whatever we see um, the people around us, you know, doing for careers. What career choices are they making? What risks are they taking? And for a lot of us, we didn't not, I mean, a lot of people in LA are transplants. A lot of people in LA are transplants from smaller places or less like, you know, metropolitan places. Um, less, less, it's not that there's less creativity in our hometowns. I think, I think it's that there's less of a space for that to be yes. open. Right. And like seen. It's less of the norm. Correct. So like you come here and you know, yes, people are having brunch on a Tuesday at 11 o'clock but they're typing on their laptops and they're creating content and they're whatever that doesn't happen i'm from hamford which is a small town in california in the central valley um it's a it's literally halfway between bakersfield and fresno so if you know either of those places neither of them are glamorous and i'm somewhere in between in this tiny town right and my family um for the large part were ranchers dairy farmers we don't do nails you know what I mean like we don't we would nobody in my family was like you know what you should do open nails right and not that they weren't supportive it's just how does that pass like how do I know that that's something I can really go after until I'm in you know merchandising for seven years and I see all these creative people kind of taking different avenues and they're talking about their side hustles and they're talking about this I mean literally up until I don't know. My husband just blew my mind the other day. Like we were talking about a month ago and this is pretty ridiculous, but he was like, I jingle. I'm always like, I'm a jingler. Like I like make little songs up. I make them up for my godchild. I do. I'm just dumb shit like that. Like that's my thing. And when I'm in the grocery store, if like my sisters and I are shopping and they pick something up, it's like pancake mix. I'll be like, we'll get that pancake mix girl. You know, it's just like, I'm a jingler. Right. So my husband's like making fun of me because the other day I was jingling in the car and he's like, you know, people make like, 
legit money off that. Like, you know, State Farm, like Farmer's Insurance, whatever. People make money off jingles, babe. Uncle Jesse and Uncle Joey. Wasn't that their whole thing on Full House? Was that, that was their like thing? Oh, jingles, shoot. I See, I should have watched more of that show. There you go. But I legit was like, oh, you're so right. That is like a real... Maybe that was my, that's the other slap, shoe slap in my face. I was like, hell yeah. Nails and jingles. Maybe that's my thing. I have no problem with it. But you don't know that when you grow, when you're like, you know, literally like in a dairy barn and like, you know, showing cows and 4-H and all that. That isn't, you don't know. Of so course. You're going to get, it is true that the, the answer is literally a lot of the times in front of your face. You just have no idea how to tackle it. Absolutely. And I think that it's always worth pointing out. And I always, I always say this and I always feel like an old lady when I say this, but like, that is like, it's true. But I think that like, we have to remember here that this is more true for us now than it ever was before. Like my father couldn't take his love of the New York Yankees and start a blog, you know, whatever, 30 years ago. Or a podcast. Right. Like we're in this opportunity now. And so we have this opportunity now, I should say. And so I just say that because I want to say this. But for anyone that's listening who's an entrepreneur already or thinking about an idea, whatever it is, and you have the dairy farm family and like, you know, people, so like you're in that town where people don't get it. I just want to always remind everybody that like their limiting beliefs are their limiting beliefs about how life's supposed to be and how you're supposed to make money, but it has nothing to do. And they just might not get it. That has nothing to do with what can be true for you. Now, the bottom effing line is that, you know, that people need their nails done. You know, people are, are craving creativity around that. You know, that there's a need for that service. And so I always just come back to when it comes to business, right? Obviously it's very difficult and it's very complicated, but it also does just come back to logic. If you have a solution that people need and you're committed and you're going to decide that you're going to make it happen, like why wouldn't you be successful? And again, I know that's oversimplifying it, but it also kind of is that simple. Like you have a skill, you can make money doing it. No, it definitely, I mean, it it is that simple in the fact that if you overthink it too much, you won't even try like Mm -hmm. you won't even make your first step that's one thing I think is a blessing it's kind of a weird thing for me in my experience as as an entrepreneur in that space um there's this weird balance between overthinking and then not thinking about it at all Mm -hmm. and it's not even a balance really I shouldn't even say it's a balance it's most like it's more like a what do you call it a seesaw like in one thing you might just have to overthink the shit out of it and be like I cannot get this wrong because it is a make or breaker kind of situation and then on the other side of it you teeter back and you literally need to just make a choice like just make a choice make the first choice and that might be picking up and moving to a larger city because maybe you do want to you know I don't know what's some random like I, people always make fun of underwater basket weaving. <laughs> it's not really a thing, but like Wait, what? underwater, you've never heard that when no. like you're like, well, we, they, maybe that's just my family, but they'd be like, what are you going to do? Go to college and like major in underwater basket weaving. You know, it's like one of those things where it's like no marketable skill. Really. All right. Okay. Got it. <laughs> like, well, you have a point. Like that's probably not going to rake in the dough. However, if you, if there is, for example, let's go with this. Okay, let's go with the go underwater basket weaving. Roll with there it. There are not going to be any underwater basket weaving courses or classes in your local area, here, like in Hanford or Fresno. That's not the thing. It's not, right? But there's a better chance you'll find an underwater basket weaving class in LA. Oh, yeah. So 
it's not cheap to live here. It's a risk. You have to pick up, move, move away from your family, whatever, you know, that, that involves. It's not like it's just easy breezy, but honestly I did that. And the only reason I did it is because my, one of my, my godfather, my uncle was literally like, get off your ass and move. Yay. And it was like, okay, I'm just moving. Like literally I went home, gave my two weeks notice. I was living in San Jose at the time. Gave my two weeks notice and came to LA. He's like, you aren't going to find what you need in that city. Like, move your ass. Oh my God, how grateful are you to him? <laughs> oh my God. It was in El Compadre here. We were in El Compadre in this booth in the corner. It's like our magic booth because like four different major life situations have happened in this damn booth. Wow. Yes. And he told me then and I went home to San Jose, put in my two weeks and moved here. So, I love that. And I- then boom, guess and then the journey to dime. So Love that. I love the analogy of the seesaw and I feel like I I absolutely agree with you because I feel like I have a balance of people when I talk to people you either have the person who's just like not thinking and just like going all in and like take almost taking too much action and just like moving too quickly like a chicken with their head cut off Mm -hmm. or you have the person who's like overanalyzing what something's going to look like in six years so that they're not moving and you're right it is I don't even know if the word is balanced but it is a matter of balancing those things out because a you're not going to know how everything else is going to play out until you start taking the initial action, right? You can't, you can't, I'm always a a cross that bridge when you come to it kind of person because like, I don't know what's the worst that can happen in a lot of cases. And I know that there are really, you know, major things, right? But like at the end of the day, you have to take that action. You have to take that first declaration, that first step that like, okay, I'm serious about this and it's time to make this happen. So moving, quitting the job, that was obviously a big step for you. What happened next in terms of like materializing your nail salon? Okay, so outside of, yeah, after moving, quitting my job in San Jose, moving here, I was here for about seven and a half years, guess, boom, quit, I got married, quit the, I got married and quit my job like at the same time, basically. my I quit my job and then three days later I got married and then boom, I was like jobless but had a husband. I was like, okay, cool, now what? <laughs> um, and he, as my partner in this whole thing, um, was basically like, you have wanted to do nails and wanted to do something in and with nails forever, like since I've met you. Why don't you just go after it, babe? And I was like, okay, um, you sure? Because not only does that mean that my really cushy salary job that offered us amazing health benefits and paid time off is gone, right? It's gone now. Um, I'm probably going to have to amass a large amount of debt <laughs> to get a brick and like a physical space open and like pursue this, right? And he's like, yeah, go for it. I'm like, okay. Um, and it's not like we had some massive savings account or anything. It's not like we had, you know, we didn't. Um, it was just, it's one of those things I look back at now and go, we either and even this to this day we're still living through those choices like you know what i mean like they don't just it's not just all peaches hell no no i'm only a year and a half in it's like gnarly at times um so it's like we you're constantly going back and forth between like is that the dumbest decision i ever made or is that Uh the smartest and to be quite honest that that hasn't been revealed like i'm still living in the gray area between that could have been the dumbest choice I've ever made or the absolute smartest choice I've ever made. 
100%. And it take and time will tell like, you know? Yeah. So I jump into nail school. Boom. I'm like, okay, I'm going to sign up. I went to palace beauty on Western. It's great. It's, it's a great school. Super low key. Had an amazing instructor, instructor, like boom, three weeks, three and a half. No, I'm sorry. Three months, three and a half months. It took me to get through nail school because I did about a part-time, um, you know, course, uh, because I still needed to make some money. So Ed, my husband Edward's deal was like, if you want to go to nail school, I fully support you, but you have to pay for it yourself. And I'm like, yeah, obviously, well, you know, right. Okay. You mean you're not going to pay all the bills at home and then right. send me to nail school? No. Um, like we are true partners in that way. Like we, we I love there's, that. there's no, you know, let me write you a check. I'm like, no, that's not happening. And I feel, I think anybody is going to take anything that they, even if, even if Edward's a billionaire and he's sitting there saying, okay, open up the salon. I think you investing in, in yourself in that way is always going to make you take it that much more seriously. Oh, 100%. Yes. I wouldn't, I mean, how, I was already having an identity crisis. I truly have been dealing with like a little bit of an identity crisis over the last like two years, just because I've never not worked like a legit job where I've had perks, you know, even at guests, I made great money and we got discounts on you know, clothing, shoes. And I had all, I was always like in a look, like doing it head to toe and then not nothing. Like literally no like, money oh, in my bank account. Don't just, yeah. I <laughs> just stopped like zero. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that was, that was not easy. And, um, but to your point, like him being like, yeah, no, I'm not paying for nail school. It's like, yeah, that's a real thing. Okay. So I got a job at the SLS hotel as a pool attendant and I worked the pool all summer because we got married in April. So boom, I got the job like right in May and then worked all summer long at the SLS pool and then lifted at night. I like drove lift at night. I love that. Um, went to school, went to nail school during the day. So we were, I was there from like eight to three, I think it was. And then I would go to SLS, work the evening shift, you know, pour a lot of alcohol and get cray cray with everybody there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that pool is fun and crazy. I bet. Um, and then I would lift at night and then I'd go back to nail school and on the weekends I work at the SLS hotel and then three and a half months later boom got my license I love that okay so I want to say two things three things number one I I know that I've said this before and I like preached this on a couple episodes back but I'm gonna say it again ladies if you do not have the partner that is like fuck yes go for it I'm not telling you to leave him but let's just evaluate that because I just feel like I talk to so many people who are like, my husband doesn't support me or this, that, the other thing. And I just like, I don't know if you have, if you, if you have something within you, this drive, this passion, like the person you're with should be backing you as much as possible. And if it's not, you know, whatever, financially, emotionally, like, please just like, let that be, especially if you're single, like, please, as an entrepreneur, make that the bare minimum that like he is behind, she or she mm -hmm. is behind your they they are just behind you right like, literally and honestly Sarah you make a very valid point because without that I would have probably I would I maybe I don't know I'm pretty tenacious I don't know if I would have quit but I would have had a lot more like I would have stayed in the dips a lot longer of course because you get depressed as hell sometimes hell yeah and if nobody's there to tell you like I still believe and remind you I still remember what you said to, in the beginning and this is still what I see and I need you to get back on that damn horse, that nail horse and ride it into town, you know? Yes. It's like, if he didn't tell me that, there are a lot of times I might just, I put the, pulled the sheets up over my head 
And there are days when that's okay. You know, he's like, okay, yeah, today's the day. Mm -hmm. But then the next day he's like, all right, get your ass up and get out there. Right. And it's funny because like being, I'm single and like being in the coaching industry, especially it's like, okay, I don't have a partner that's like pushing me, but I, but like I invest to have a coach for somebody to push me mm-hmm. in those moments because the dips are fucking real. Yeah. The moments where you're doubting yourself, the moments where you're stuck in your own head, the little things that are actually not little things at all, they're the big things that are actually the roadblocks. Whatever you need to do, again, whether it's your romantic partner or your best friend or your sister or your brother or your parent, whatever, like I just want everyone to know and understand that like you're worthy and you deserve somebody that's in your corner and like you just said, like, I don't know that I'd be doing this if like, I didn't have that. Or like, I don't know that I would have like been able to sustain the hard points without that person in my corner. And so I just, I just want that for everyone. I want them to have that person in their corner, whether you have to pay for it or not. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but the second thing that I wanted to say is that, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit and I've talked about this myself just so often, but like, it's so easy to sit there and see somebody who has a business, a successful business, oh, it was easier for them because of this reason. Or, you know, maybe they had, you know, money in the bank to start the business, whatever. You got that part-time job. You were driving Lyft, which I'm sure there were moments where, like, you're like, I don't want to fucking do this. Like, this isn't, like, the most fun thing in the entire world. But you did what you had to do to make it happen. And I just want everyone to, like, remember that. That, like, it was hard for other people, too. But, like, they... They scraped by or, you know, they hustled when they had to. Well, yeah, that's part of the, that's part of the almost sometimes, um, not everyone's journey is the same, but a lot of people have to make sacrifices um, when they want to do, when they want to venture out and kind of build their own thing. And it's the people around them too that are making the sacrifices. Like my husband now has, you know, to carry the weight of the financial weight of our household together. I mean, we made that decision together, but he's he's making the dough and paying the bills with the money that he brings in. And it's not, you know, it's not, it's not peaches. It's like, I literally went from being able to go on three to four vacations a year. Like I said, the best health health care that one could buy and pay time off and perks and parties and new shoes every week and blah, 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 all this stuff, stuff. Right. Was I happy? Mm. No, not really. Not like, I mean, I wasn't miserable, but I was, I was definitely yearning for obviously something different. Um, and, and it took, it's a huge ego blow. Like when you're, and and the thing is, is everyone around you in that environment and everyone around you is doing the same thing. They're looking at their next car. They're looking at it because you know, the money's good and you worked your butt off to get there and you, you know, you deserve to kind of reap those rewards. Um, but then you go from that to literally talking to your friends and they're like, how are things going? And I'm like, I'm in nail school, but you know, I work at the SLS pools, like, you know, wiping chairs and cleaning up wet napkins and serving, you know, Chance the Rapper 17 bottles of champagne and I can't afford one of them. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, and then I drive Lyft at night and pick up people from LAX. Like, you're like, nothing's you know, great. Yeah, it's super great. And uh, my healthcare is $800 a month. Like, so good. Things are so good. And they're like, what is wrong with you? Like, why, what are you doing? You know, and you're just like, I think I'm doing what I need to be doing. Like, yeah. And you're like, cry laughing. You know, you're like, oh my God. mostly laughing, but mostly crying. I love that so much, though, <laughs> because it's like, 
it's the corniest quote, but it's like entrepreneurs do what most people won't to live a life that most people can't. And like, I always talk about like, I like for the first couple of years of my business, I got rid of my car because I'm like, I work from home. Why? I don't need a car. Yeah. I didn't do anything. I remember sitting there crying because I couldn't afford the cheapest Justin Timberlake ticket. You know, that was available. <laughs> That's what broke you. Yeah. yeah like, like that was like, that was just rough, too man. much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, this is where I draw the line. <laughs> yeah. But like, but then like, I say that like, and I say it joking, but like at that time, like, again, I was dead broke for a couple of years and I did what I had to do. But then I see some people who, and I'm not like being like, like disrespectful or rude, but then I see the people who are like, oh, I want a business, but like the eyelash extensions and going out to dinner and going out to vacations are the important thing to them. And I just appreciate the fuck out of like you for like, no, I sacrificed this. And sometimes it was a little bit embarrassing or sometimes it really sucked, but you had that. And again, of course you had those moments where you're like, am I doing the right thing? But like at the end of the day, you did have your eyes on the prize and like, you were going after something bigger and I think that we are entrepreneurship is so important to me but more than that it's the it's the point that we can all sit there and we can be happy we can have good jobs and we can have what we think we're supposed to have Mm -hmm. but recognizing that I could be happier and having the guts to pursue that Mm -hmm. is something that is so admirable and is something that I want everybody to understand that is available to them and it's not, doesn't necessarily mean it's easy or not scary, but it is available and you get to decide if you want to do it. Well, and the guts, I mean, your gut, your, your gut could be telling you, it, it's, it goes, it ranges like an entrepreneurial spirit, obviously is specific to like creating something that doesn't already exist, right? You're trying to get out or exist just the way that you would make it. I mean, like, you know, lip gloss is lip gloss, but Glossier is popping because they are reaching a niche market that like you know, Mac didn't quite appeal to. So it's the way they're doing it. Like everyone has their thing. But what's tricky about that is it's important for people to know. And that's one of those um, seesaw moments or what, what do you, do you call it a seesaw or is it like a teeter totter? What the hell is that thing I mean, the thing, thing you're doing with your hands, I think it's a seesaw. <laughs> they can't see me. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, I think it's a seesaw. Okay. But... <laughs> I haven't been on one of those bad boys since I was like in the third grade. Um, which might be need, need to be a 2020 goal for there me. There you go. Okay. Um, but it could be as easy as maybe your entrepreneurial spirit is like you, you know, Gary Vee, who's someone I follow on Instagram. You know him, mm-hmm. obviously, oh, yeah. right? He's like, a, he's great. But he's one of those that always talks about like reselling stuff on the internet. And it's like, I love how he encourages entre- entrepreneurs neural spirit in the smallest of ways and the biggest of ways. It's totally. like, there's no, don't, like there's no judgment passing. There's no, it's, you can have it if you resell freaking what are those little beanie babies? Yeah. Like, you know, that's still a thing. Like that's still a thing. Get out there and do it if that's what you want to do. And, and that's not like, you don't have, I took the thing with my, my choice is I took a huge risk by, you know, yes. Taking out a big bank loan and, you know, and quite frankly, asking my parents for a loan also like, Hey, you guys, can you give me some cash mm-hmm. and I'll get back to you with yeah. that? <laughs> can you front me some cash? You know, right. they'd be like, okay. So I was lucky there. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, I don't like the thing. Like I'm self-made or whatever. I mean, I made choices for myself, but they were back supported and definitely made like a reality by mm-hmm. my support team, my husband and my parents. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, my, even my sister. So that's, I don't, you know, that I can't do that without them. But, um, point being like at the end of the day, the choices I made or the things that were laid, that were laid on me were, was that make 
make a decision mm-hmm. and go with it. Yep. Like if it's big or small, make a decision and then just go with it. That's mm-hmm. where you don't overthink. Right. Like, and then there are other things you can overthink like, what paint color do I want on the wall? Or, you know, should I, right. you know, hire five technicians to start or 10? How can I afford them? Or what do I, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you can overthink that stuff. But some of the things like just go to sign up for nail school. Mm-hmm. Don't overthink that. Just turn in the app. Yeah. Write the check. Get it done. It's like that kind of stuff. You kind of have to know or try to just force yourself into whatever that next step will be like make that decision just to get you in the waters and then you figure out how to swim absolutely you have you have to move forward and i think it's you know it's a comforting thing to do it's an easy thing to do to plan or to i'm gonna sit down and make up you know make up my business plan but it's It's like no yeah i mean not the business plan but right the plan right just do like do the things that move the needle so i love that you went to nail school because i mean i obviously i don't know the nail business as well as you do obviously but i would have to imagine that there are a lot of businesses i don't know in the world right where like i don't know like an owner somebody can decide hey i want to open up a restaurant but isn't actually a chef or it doesn't actually know the food industry like it does happen and so I love that you know you really like took the time made like made the effort to really learn not just you you loved it but you actually got to like learn it from inside and out so you do that what comes next after I graduate I literally had a plan for about within the first year to at least have um, a spot like a actual physical place where I was going to open a salon um I did nails in my in my home for three four months. Um, externshipped at one uh, one salon nail salon to get a little exposure. That's one thing I would have done differently. Um, that's a small like just a tweak. I would have worked in a nail salon like longer, not mm-hmm. just externship because you don't get the same exposure. I would have actually like worked at a nail salon for, to learn just how the business worked. Yeah, and get exposure to what it's like to be in a fast paced salon, like as a tech, mm-hmm. I got to pace myself out more. Right. Um, being in, in home and that's not the same, like that's not even close, right. you know? And you also get a lot of exposure to other nail technicians. So when I first opened Dime, fast forwarding just real quick, like I didn't know a lot of nail techs. I knew nail techs from school that I had befriended and stuff, but I didn't know a lot of them and I would have known more and known like what they really wanted in a, in you know and a job offer if mm-hmm. you will if i had worked in a salon longer or like actually exposed myself to that space so that's one thing i wish i would have done differently aside from just okay i got my license and you know i took nail clients so i knew i knew like how to i i know i still do you saw i did your right. nails like three two three weeks ago i do gel manicures i can do you know acrylic extensions hard gel extensions all that i wanted to know that I also wanted to know what it was like to have to pass like a state board test and like be up against it in that capacity. Um, And so like knowing that stuff helped me exponentially when it came to the part where I actually got to hire. But the funny thing is that happens, right? Like I graduate nail school and I'm, I'm already prepared for that. I have that information now, but it takes me, oh my gosh, it took me almost a year to even get somebody to be able to sign a lease like to be to agree to sign a lease with me like I didn't have that much capital like I didn't have that much you know and I don't have a lot of what do you call it like assets Mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of 
things to wager against. Um, so getting someone to sign a lease with me, like getting a, like a landlord, you know, a commercial landlord to sign a lease with me was tough. We negotiated two different spaces that fell through. Um, they didn't want to, they, like it took a while and we thought, oh, okay, this is going to work. This is going to be great. And then nope. Um, because I didn't want to get a partner. I didn't want a financial partner. So I made the choice, I guess, to kind of make it harder. You know, I knew it was going to be a journey. Well, good. I mean, I, I like when <laughs> it's like when people go on Shark Tank and they're like, you don't need us. Like, it's going to be a little bit harder, but like, just hold off. Yeah, you right? go for it. Yeah. yeah it just, I think Shark Tank would have been like, you need us. But, <laughs> but, no, but. I, I love that you dug in your heels in that way. That had to have been torture. It was weird. It was, it was only weird because I'm very, like, I think like most entrepreneurs, we have a bit of an ego. Mm -hmm. Like we definitely have, like you know, we're very, we're pretty self confident. Like at least in our business space, mm -hmm. it's not to say that we don't deal with other kind of confidence right. issues. But like when it comes to our business, it's very like, oh, don't worry you're going to regret this, right? Like it's a very, big like, mistake. Um, yeah, big mistake, huge. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, pretty woman. Um, and it was challenging getting told no and no and no, or no one even calling you back or just getting blown off. And you're, you're in that headspace. You're like, but I'm the shit. Like you just wait. And I'm also one of those types that always pays my bills. Like I don't like to go out on credit. I've always write, write the checks right then and there. My checks clear. Like I freak out if they don't like, you know, right. the one or two times it's been like the bank held my money or my deposit didn't go through on time. It's been like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like I'm dependable. I like to like, that's a big thing for my business. I never really wanted it to be upside down in that capacity. You know, I don't want to finance everything or whatever that looks like. So it, since that was the case, I mean, yeah, it was tough. Like they were just, there were a lot of no's, like tons of no's, just nobody. And it was tough too, because it, <laughs> I'm, I don't want to be presumptive. It's just a lot of men, yeah. you know, like just a ton of dudes, like contractors wouldn't work with me. Landlords wouldn't work with me. And it was all dudes and then I need it and then like the city you have to start getting permits once you start your space and that was all guys and it was just like all these guys telling me no like all the time what a test <laughs> I was like I hate you guys yeah. <laughs> like, that, you are pissing me off like it it, it it almost physically pains me to think about just that process because like I'm such an impatient impatient person so like I can't even imagine like just the time like the, I can imagine how difficult that was but then just the dealing with people who like again like you're idiots like don't you understand like how great I'm about to be like I, I just feel like that could be such like torture but what a test for you I'm sure to be like I really want this. Oh, I do. I, I mean, and that was, that's where, again, you have to be, that's that seesaw, like on that side of the seesaw, I wasn't overthinking it as far as like, I was overthinking at some point, like all the no's and then like all these guys making decisions kind of for me. Like it felt a little like I was getting resentful, Yeah. but I wasn't overthinking the part where it was like, I'm going to keep going out there and I'm going to find somebody that's going to tell me. Yes. It was non-negotiable. Yeah. This like I, there's no overthinking that like, okay, back out there. And 
at some point, yes, I got a yes from, uh, and I have a great landlord over in Mid-City. And it's really where I was supposed to be. Like the other locations I had negotiated were in West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's where I really wanted to be. But it's not where I was needed. And it actually didn't align with my initial rollout of like what Dime was supposed to be for. Mm -hmm. So the that's the spaces I was negotiating in the areas it's like it didn't it didn't align with my brand so uh, it was like rejection and somehow was like rejection. my higher yeah my higher powers protection for me they were like hey, you're about to get rejected right. a lot a lot buckle up you know I felt like a dude in the club it was just like uh-uh <laughs> no uh-uh ew no and I was just like oh man this is tough stuff it's, I mean, obviously in the moment, you know, we all know that when something bad is happening, it's really difficult and it's whatever, but it really, I mean, I know this is a, I don't know, a general thing to say and also probably a privileged thing to say in a lot of ways, but I have just found in my own life, most bad things that happen or most times that I don't get what I want, it is always pushing me towards the way that it's supposed to be or like, yeah. like where you're supposed to be, whatever it is, just the same thing with like breakups, whatever. But I think a common theme that I just, I'm sorry if you're getting sick of me saying this, but I'm going to keep probably saying it every episode, but like every woman that I'm talking to, the locked in belief that this is happening was there. Right? Correct. When I talk to people who are like, or I've heard, I, like, I see people who be like, I've been trying this for two months and it's not working. I think I want to quit. I'm like, okay, you were not meant for this then. Oh, hell no. We, two months? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, bitch. <laughs> yeah. The people who succeed are unavailable for it not working. And like, I just love, again, like that big test for you of like the trying time of making this happen, that the vision, and I'm, again, I'm sure you had moments, but it was like, this is happening and- that's all there is to it. Like, it's non-negotiably going to work. Correct. It's literally just a choice. You just make a decision and then you just keep pushing it. You mm -hmm. have to keep pushing it because it's also at some point, which has been a huge learning lesson for me and was also kind of terrifying, is that at, at a certain juncture, when you've made the decisions to go like, this is happening, like no matter what, you get so far into the this is happening no matter what that you've made choices for your family and for yourself mm -hmm. that you can't reverse. Yep. Like you you take out a, a massive loan from a bank and they drop that dough in your check the checking account and they're like, Hey, have fun spending. You owe us a bazillion dollars yeah. in th you know, within five years or whatever. There's no going back. They're, yeah, you <laughs> you don't go by, you know, you don't escape that. Like you have to change your name and move to another country. Yeah. Like your people need to be on board with this. So you just keep going. Like, I, you know, I talk about this a lot and I, I you know, I, I reference the coaching industry on this, on this podcast, which I don't want to as much as I do, but at the same time, it's what I do. So like, it's what I'm familiar with, but in the coaching industry, you hear a lot of coaches say things like, well, you know, if you make the scary investment, that's when you're going to make it happen. And it's very easy on the, on the listening side of that to be like, fuck you, you're just trying to sell me something. And that is the case in a lot of situations. But I also believe that when you do the thing that's scary, when you quit the job, when you take out the money from the bank, when you make an investment into whether it's a coach or whether it's a brick and mortar thing, 
that is the thing that propels most people because then there's no going back. There's no like, oh my God, well, there, you, you don't get to just change your mind at that point. Mm-hmm. Like when I've invested in my business, when it's been really scary, and again, I, I always own the fact that I don't have kids, I don't have a family. So I, I acknowledge that it's a lot less scary for me maybe than it is for the woman with a kid, with a family and all those kind of things. But at the same time, it's always been this situation where I'm like, okay, spend $3,000. That feels really scary to me in this moment. It's, um, that's not where I'm going to you know, go into a fetal position and be like, oh, I hope this happens and be scared. This is where I'm like, okay, well, I guess this has to happen now. And so, you know, for, again, anybody listening, I'm not, I'm never going to be the person who's like, well, you know, I don't know, max out a credit card or do something that's like irresponsible. But at the same time, I do, I do just also know that most entrepreneurs, just like Kristen is saying, like she did the thing, there was no going back. And that's been a big part of like, it happened because it had to happen. Mm-hmm. Yes, a hundred percent. And then, and I don't think you have to qualify. Like you mentioned, um, you know, you don't have kids, you don't have this, you don't have that. We all have our own set of circumstances mm-hmm. and the, I don't think you need to qualify that. I think of like us as women, we always want to be empathetic. I think we come to the table with more empathy anyway than most, you know, than let's our counterparts, let's say. Um, most of the time we come to the table with more empathy mm-hmm. just because of the way we are raised and the constructs of like who we are. Um, and, and I think it's important that we don't let that get in the way of like, everyone's going to have different circumstances, different backgrounds. Like there's going to be, there's someone that's me ish right now out there trying to figure out how to do it. And maybe his or her, or their parents are, you know, first or second generation, um, Californians or, you know, from the, they're immigrants. Maybe they have immigrant parents. Their situation is going to be a lot more difficult than mine, but that doesn't change the fact that their mindset needs to be similar. That doesn't change the fact that like you are going to make a scary decision and that is going to propel you to the next step. Like if we're talking about, you know, if, if you're hearing this and you're thinking, well, I have two kids and a mortgage and uh, then I guess you're not ready. Like mm-hmm. we're all going to be dealing with different set of circumstances. Was it my, was it a genius decision for me to, literally get married and then quit my job and completely dismantle like everything I pretty much knew about who I was as a person. Probably not. No. Like I probably should have let my husband and I be married for like, should have, you know, like a year, two, mm-hmm. I don't know, learn some more stuff about how we are as a married couple. Right. But I didn't like, okay. So that was my choice. I have a set of choices. He made his own set of choices. We all have like mm-hmm. different circumstances that are going to get us, you know? Yeah. And everybody's, but the, but the important part there is that, you know, what is your mindset and where do you want to go? And, and the fact that you have less resources as a person makes you more resourceful. If in fact you are that driven, yep. which in the long term gives you an absolute edge. Like you will do what you do the best way that you could do it. And there's so many things you'll know and learn that I wouldn't know because mm-hmm. of the way that my journey has gone, you know? Yeah. And that shouldn't be like a, that shouldn't be a knock against me, nor should it be a knock against you. It should be like, totally sweet. Go kick some ass. I could rant and rave about this for hours, but I'm not going to do that. I absolutely agree with <laughs> I'll you. I'll do it for you. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, I absolutely agree with you. And again, like I, I, I'm always like, I don't know. This is the example that I always use. And I'm just going to use it really quickly. But like when you see celebrities lose weight, 
right? Yeah. After the baby, whatever. Yeah. And people are like, well, they have a trainer, and well, they have this, and well, they have that. I'm like, you're not wrong, but that's not making you any skinnier, right? Correct. Like, Correct. You, you know, so it's like, I, I just, I think I have a responsibility to say, you're right. I have, I don't have, I didn't have the mortgage. I didn't have the kids. So I say those things to acknowledge it. To I think that's a fair thing to acknowledge. But don't you dare act as though it wasn't scary for me. Don't mm-hmm. you dare act as though everything was easy because of that. Or don't you dare cling to that as a reason that you can't do it. Because if you're going to do that, then you sh- then you probably shouldn't be an entrepreneur. 100%. You're totally right. That's exactly it. Like, it's just, that's the difference between somebody who's going to do it, make it out, and try, and someone who's not. I always, um, Bethany Frankel of The Real Housewives of uh-huh. New York and, uh, lots of other things. Yeah. She was like the first person that really kind of pushed me into entrepreneurship, like reading her book, all of those things. And I always like that she says like her, one of her second, third book, whatever it was a place of yes. And it was like, that's just something that's stuck in my mind because in life you have the people who are coming from a place of yes, we're going to find the solution and are going to focus on how it can work. And then you have the people who, you know, are automatically thinking about all the reasons it can't work. And in my opinion, those people aren't meant to be entrepreneurs. The people who succeed are always just finding the answer. And okay, yeah. here's how this can work. And that works on a macro and a micro level like even as an employer now like you know I mm-hmm. I have contractors and employees and I know the ones that come from a place of yes like the ones that I mean any in any capacity like they come from a place of yes we're like hey can you stay an extra hour and just do this gel manicure is that okay with you like are you okay please 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 and they're like yes okay I'll do it they they'll you know I don't know like even as small as like they'll be like I don't know. I'm so tired today. I just wish I had some coffee. They're the ones I'm like looking. I'm like, all right, what do you want from Starbucks? You know what I mean? Like down the road. I'm very familiar. (laughs) Yeah. They're right (laughs) up the street, but like stuff like that, as opposed to the other, I I mean like good things come around because you impart yourself, you give good energy. The the person, the the texts that are like, I have a class that I'm throwing. Like this morning we had a uh, Swarovski crystal class they're teaching and all the texts that say like, yes, I'll be there. I want to do this. I mean, it's super cheap like I try to subsidize it keep it low so that they can learn on a good budgeted like class we do a lot of stuff in-house and the ones that are like yes I'll be there they're the ones that are literally gonna up their ticket like of course. you know 50 60 dollars you know over the Christmas like two or three four five times the ones that are like no I can't or I'm just too tired or I don't want to get up that's not gonna happen for you right. it's like micro and macro it's like you aren't gonna open the big major business that you want to do as down to you literally aren't going to learn how to glue crystals to nails properly. So you're not going to get that ticket upgrade. Right. Like it's, that matters. The place of yes is crucial. Just over, again, there's always, there's always something to learn and anything like that. Like you can take it for what it, you can take it like on this, like, I don't know, the small level, right? Like, okay, well I'm tired today and you know, that's an hour of my time. Or like I could learn a skill that's going to benefit me over and over and over and over again. I'm going to learn from this instructor about mindset or whatever it is. Like there's just always a bigger picture. It's never about what it's about. And I think just again, coming from that place of like, what can this do for me? What's possible is those are the people that I see succeed. And to be clear, I wasn't always that person. Right. No, that takes time. That takes time. That takes like, what do you call it? Like, exposure expansion like you have to kind of look for uh-huh you know and it depends on what circle you're in and who's yeah. around you and blah, blah, blah. that can really affect your ability to say yes or no or what you th- perceive as you know what your ability is to say yes or no totally and then but for so for everyone listening just make it your goal to be that person and like 
you know, and just even in my own life, like I'm just, I catch myself with things that I don't feel like doing or whatever it is. And it's like, there are days when like, I'm like tired or like, don't feel like I don't like, I'm working more and more. I'm being like, no, I don't feel like feeling tired. I don't feel like not being productive today and like deciding to feel good and deciding to, again, like look, that sounds like rah, rah and cheerleader-y, but like really just like choosing to see the possibilities and choosing to be positive about certain things. Like I think that's just like a mindset shift that everyone could benefit from, especially entrepreneurs. Well, when you go, I mean, even, okay, so the nail salon, it's like a constant rotation of like awesome people, you Mm -hmm. know, and their energies and what they come in with and what they come out. But we truly do re re even like, again, even in the macro and micro levels, like you walk into a place of business and you bring that energy, even like a, even coming from a place of yes, or coming from a place of just like positivity, your nails look better. Of course. <laughs> like your manicure will go better. Like you will, you will have a better experience. You're like, you will maximize the experience at time. Like even when you come like, okay, one of our first questions is, would you like anything to drink? Yeah. <laughs> like if you come from a place of yes, you're going to get a mimosa, a hot tea or a water and you're already starting to live your best life. Like, just say yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're always tempting me into day drinking. I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm going to skip the Prosecco no matter how tempting it sounds. I mean, hey, it's (laughs) LA. You can Uber home. There you go. Um, But yeah, like even that, do you know what I'm saying? It's like even that sets you up for like enjoying your best, the next 45 minutes to an hour of your time that you're in dime. Like it's the smallest things. 100%. Let's flash forward and let's skip to that because I feel as though, okay, like salon is open. It's obviously been a very clear decision for you to, do you want the Prosecco? Again, having this beautiful space. I remember coming there one time, I think it was like the anniversary party and there was a DJ and there were cupcakes and there's always excellent music. P.S. All these songs I've never heard for like, 10 years, um, which is always like such a delight, but like like, throwbacks. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love it. Talk. I guess I would just love to hear just the decision around all of that. Like the vision for like, I'm not just going to open up a nail salon, but I'm just going to open one that, that represents this. And you know, again, like everyone's always so friendly, truly. I'm not just like blowing smoke. The quality is always great. I just, I would love to just hear about like the decisions that you've had to make around that and like what you saw in opening. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I wanted there to be a collaborative and unique space for nail, like nail boutique, nail salons. Um, uh, and I couldn't find that in LA. Like I, there's definitely boutique nail salons. Um, but I felt like there were a few things missing with them. A couple of things were a lot of the boutique nail salons that do nail art only do hands. And I was always, I'm not somebody like, I'm just not a consumer that likes to do their hands and feet at different places. Like I don't like to go and get like my hands fancy and nice at a place and then go to the place down the street to get my feet done. I mean, I just don't have the time either. And like parking is a pain in the butt already Uh in LA. I'm like, I'm not going to go to two places. Like I like my hands and my feet to be done at the same time. Like ideally, because I'm always like on a time crunch or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I kept looking for a place where I could go in comfortably and be like, I want, this nail art and I want to get a pedicure too. And that was really hard to find. Um, there were a couple places like I would go, like I went to lack for a while in Robertson and they, they did a great job of that. Like I could get nail art and I could get my feet done at the same time. They're also a very clean salon. Unfortunately, their location's not on Robertson anymore. They're just in North Hollywood, but like 
they were a great spot for me to go. Um, but there was still a few things missing for me there in that experience. Um, I know that there was there's Olive in June that offers the hands and feet and nail art on hands, um, but they're mostly on the west side, and and those neighborhoods are you know are specific, very specific, like mid city, east side, Silver Lake, whatever that looks like, even even like West Adams, they don't go to Beverly Hills to get their hands and feet done, like mm-hmm. not not the bulk of them right Right. not a lot of them um so they were obviously serving their market and they were like dominating that so there was this hole in the middle literally (laughs) mid-city haha i had already lived there for going on like six and a half years um i moved in right like right before like when me and my husband moved in mid-city they wouldn't even deliver pizza like south of olympic right we couldn't get delivery but now it's like there's a sprouts down the street. Yeah. So that, that happened fast. But, um, <laughs> um, and I kept thinking like, this is such a, a, this is such a space where it's like almost like a, what do you call it? Like, a, um, like it was dried out. Like there was no, there was, there was a lot of small business investment, but it was in food, you know, and like little boutiques of like crafts or whatever, shoes and right. stuff. But nail salons, no. Enamel Diction was a nail salon that was on Pico for a while. They were great. Um, but they also had a very specific market. They were big on horoscopes and like astrology and zodiac and colors based on that. Um, so it was super cool. But it we needed something, I felt, in our neighborhood that was more representative of the population. Like, and there are, it's a very eclectic neighborhood. Mid-City's super eclectic. It's a great place. Um and there's a lot of uh, black and brown homeowners in that neighborhood. Like it's very black owned and brown owned um, in both commercial and residential real estate. Um, loved that. A lot of black owned businesses on Pico. They've been there for a long time. And I was like, this, the nail salon, I can, I, this is the nail salon I want to build. I want to build something that represents that. I want, you know, I want it to be a roof under which everyone feels comfortable, no matter what background they've come from, but they feel comfortable because they can be their authentic self. Like I don't, I, we don't foster an environment that doesn't feel authentic. That's why our music is very authentic and throwback. Our environment is that way. It's like a very collaborative, communicative environment that's how I wanted Dime to be. Like from the moment I set the space, that's why I also went with, um, I know there's pink in the salon, but I didn't want my salon to be like chandeliers and, and like oh, pink fuzzy pillows because it's very cool. Yeah. I wanted it to feel like slightly ambiguous. I, I essentially mocked my color scheme and my like kind of design theme around Grace Jones and Prince, both very, androgynous characters in, in, you know, and legendary characters in our history. Like they're phenomenal artists. Um, you think of Grace Jones, you think of like a powerhouse, but always with like that short, tight haircut, like very feminine, but yet very butch, you know, and Prince super cool. I mean, like he's my favorite, like he's just, he's my, he's my boo. Um, but you know, somebody who embodied, sexuality but he wasn't afraid of his feminine side at all and like but it was also very masculine and like you you know 
women everywhere were throwing their panties at him. Right. And I'm sure dudes were too. Um, so it was one of those places where I was like, that's important to me. That's anybody walk in like non-binary people, them, they's like, you know, transgender, anyone can walk in this space and feel like it's their home. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And it's not about exclusion either. It's like, I want, you know, Sarah, you're a sweet, cute, wonderful powerhouse, like, you know, white woman. And you go in there and you don't feel out of place. I get the same pink every time. <laughs> I'm not That doesn't cool. matter. But that's the thing is we don't want you to feel uncool because you right. choose the same pink. That's not what it's about. Right. It's about you coming in there and feeling like you have a place to be like, yes, I get pink. And not only that, but us knowing like, oh, okay, Sarah, you get, you know, whatever, bubble bath. That's like OPI 76 right. for us or whatever. We'll pull it and get you ready. Like no judgment. Totally. You know, we're not in there to be like the, the we are the coolest kids on the block. But we're not that you can't sit with us coolest kids. Not at all. We're like, oh, you're cool too. You're, you nerd out on this. Like, come on in. Let's talk about it, you know? And truly, that is the vibe there. And I think that, I don't know, for me anyway, I feel like there are definitely places in LA that are intimidating. There are definitely places that I'm like, just like in general, not just nail places, obviously, but just like, you know, whatever, whether you're like, even just like the juice bar across the street. Like I was like nervous to go there for a while. I'm like, oh my God, I think it'd be these skinny people oh, yeah, laughing at intense. me with my green juice. <laughs> but like, but like, <laughs> oh, haters. Yeah. They're like, I don't know. There are places that again, can be really intimidating and Dime is certainly not one of them. And I just, it's just so nice to hear that like, I think sometimes it's easy to just assume companies with great customer service or great vibes, it just happened. But like, this is really an intentional thing in your mind. Like, this is what I want it to be. Oh, 100%. And we've had like the front desk gets training. Um, my manager, Amy, who's fantastic, um, like, there's no secret. It's no secret that she worked for Olive and June for four years, I think. Okay. And then had a hiatus, took off work for an uh, esthetician for a year and a half. And then, Funny enough, she was a reference for a nail technician that applied to Dime. And I called her as a reference and was like, so should I hire this person, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, wait, what are you doing? Wait, where are you at? Wait, what are you at? And I was like, she's like, are you looking for a manager? I'm like, nope. Because <laughs> I had just spent all my money from right. the bank on if you want to work for on free, oh, yeah sure. like 399 yeah. Um, She's like, huh, okay. Um, no. Um, so, you know, I was like, I was about to open Dime. It took a ton to open that space in that the in the way that it looks i wanted it to look very like you know modern and chic so long story short she gets she i made a conscious effort early on to hire her even though it was not something that we had budgeted and not something we had planned um because i want i talked to her at length and was just like look this is what I envision as for the front desk and how people, when they come in the space, need to be treated and how they need to be treated on the phone. Um, you're going to get a lot of questions potentially about this being like a black owned business. Be very transparent and honest about that because my husband is black, you know, so the answer is yes, it is 50% black owned. Like he is a 50% owner. I'm Hispanic. I'm Mexican and Portuguese. That matters to people. Like we talked about that. I was like, can you work in a space that involves you know that is a central part of like people being proud to to come to this business and be a part of it like are you comfortable with that she's she's korean but you know she doesn't care she's from new york she's like i don't give a shit you know you're like yes okay perfect right yeah she's like i'm here to make people feel good when they walk in the door i don't care who they are what backgrounds i'm like you're a new yorker you get it like it's fine so very like i would i don't know if i use the word sweet but very kind but also like no nonsense correct 
We don't play around. Our clients know that like, you know, we don't, that's the thing is we like to hold each other accountable. Our clients can hold us accountable. That's the, the, the entire space is accountable. We hold ourselves to account accountable to an exceedingly clean and like well-kept space so that you feel comfortable. You don't look over and like, you know, the baseboards haven't been cleaned in like six months and you're mm-hmm. like, I don't really want to touch the bathroom handle because I'm pretty sure somebody sneezed on it. Like, right. no, we are constantly wiping down. We are constantly cleaning. We are constantly making sure that we're accountable to our space. And that also includes like excellent customer service from the time you walk in and then like a collaborative experience at the wall when you're picking your polish or picking your gel, mm-hmm. um, you know, gel color, nail art. When the moment you sit in the chair, your technician greets you, talks to you. They all speak English, like, so you can have a conversation. It's not about exclusivity. It's, a, it's about inclusivity. We mm-hmm. want you to feel included in the process. Of course. So being accountable to our clients in that way, our disinfectant and sanitization practices are above board. Every day, we do not use a single set of tools on the floor that has not been a, disinfected and then autoclaved. Like, it's just not a choice. It's not right. an option. We had literally have a backup autoclave that's just sitting in a box. It's like a thousand dollar machine that just sits there because just in case if the other one breaks, we're not yeah. messing around. You know what I mean? So we want to be held accountable to our clients in that capacity. It's, it's super important, especially in this day and age when most of us as consumers really do mostly care about some level of authenticity in the brands that we choose. Um, and dime is authentic. And then as a, flip side and vice versa we hold our clients accountable like we tell you we expect you to be on time and if you're not you get a 10 to 15 minute grace period and when you come in we'll do our best to accommodate what we can but like you are accountable just like we are accountable that's how this works it's a partnership this is how we run this you are accountable to us when it comes to like you know you can't come in and go and crap on the front desk or start (laughs) yelling and screaming at people or you can't talk in a disrespectful way to any of the technicians and neither can they like right. we hold that space accountable because that's the thing about what do people always say about freedom? There has to be law in order there. There has to be discipline and law in order there to be freedom, like for you to feel free. So there are rules in our space. Uh, like there are rules. I love that. And like, I mean, so that's something that like, never occurred to me because I do try so hard. Like, I mean, I'm not a perfect human being, let's be clear, but like I do try really hard to be considerate of other business owners, especially as business owners, as everyone should be, but especially as business owners, I feel like we always want to be treating other business owners like we should be treated. But I love the fact that you're sitting there like to like, I like treating adults like adults, right? Like when somebody comes late to a call for me and then like they're 10 minutes late or actually I won't even sit on the phone for 10 minutes late. But like if you were to come on the line five minutes late, like your call doesn't get pushed back five minutes. The the call still ends when it ends. And I don't know. I think that says a lot about the person who doesn't understand that, especially like when it comes to an entrepreneurial human being. And so I I just, I love and I appreciate that. And like that's something that are there going to be people who don't understand or have problems with it maybe but like there are a lot of people who appreciate that and mostly i find that our clients do appreciate it more Mm -hmm. than the ones that don't the ones that don't um you know they don't stay they don't they're not our clients for very long like they're just i mean and it's not even like we don't gladly wave them off it's just one of those things where it's then we aren't the space for you like there's been plenty of situations where we've had you know people will be like well, you don't do a scrub with every service or you don't do this or you don't do that. No, we don't upsell you, but we also, you know what it, 
it's, it's right all there. there. It's not, we don't hide it. You know what you get. Yeah. If you'd like a scrub, we have a micro scrub that's super affordable and we have a major scrub that you can upgrade to. It's up to you. We have options, you know, like, and, and they'll quickly, they'll quickly learn because we hold tight to our, we're not your doormat, you know, like we create a safe space because we have these rules in place and because we have these tough conversations. Like we've had to have tough conversations about, you know, like any kind of, um, well, pronouns, them, they pronouns and, um, you know, making sure that we're sensitive to that because there's been people that have come in that we've, it's difficult sometimes, like, especially when, you know, you, you're working with a big group of people who come from all different backgrounds. Like they're not, they're not necessarily used to using them, they pronouns. Like right. it's hard to remember. Right. You see someone who you, in your mind appears to be female and you use the she pronouns. Like that just, it's like habit. Right. And yes, those things are being broken down at time. Those things are being discussed, but it's like, sometimes they mess up. We have to have conversations about it and just be like, Hey, it's them. They just try to like double back on that. But we're having those conversations. Yeah. Same things about race. Like if there's any kind of issue with, you know, any racial issue, and it doesn't have to be black or white, it can be brown and black. It could be Jewish. It could be non-Jewish. It could be whatever. Um, we have those conversations to be like, guys, this is how we're going to tackle these kinds of subjects. Like, we're not going to hide from them. We're not going to duck them. We're not going to try to think, feel like they didn't happen. We also empower our technicians and our clients to have those conversations. Like, did yeah. something happen? Can we help you? Like, well, let's talk this out now, you know? I love that. And I think that even when we were just saying about, when we're talking about supportive partners, you know, my it's easy for me to say he. And that, like, I catch myself. And I think intention is everything. And being willing to, I don't know, see things different ways or acknowledge that you don't know everything and you don't know what you don't know. But then I think it's very easy for a lot of business owners to probably be defensive mm -hmm. versus like, okay, maybe this is something that we can work on. And I think that those are the businesses in a lot of cases that last like in big picture, like brands, the ones that are willing to evolve versus like, it's my way or that's it. Like there's that balance of like sticking to your boundaries and sticking to being respected and knowing that we don't need you as a customer. If you want to like whatever, throw a hissy fit, but also let's make sure that we're doing our best job and we're being intentional about, again, being inclusive and kind and all of those kind of things. Well, yeah, and it's important, I mean, especially when you're building a business, it's hard not to to want to defend your oh, techs yeah. or, your, or your business or your front desk or whatever, but you do also just kind of have to remember that, you know, people are dealing with a lot, they're mm -hmm. up against it. Mm -hmm. um, you create your boundary. You set it. You don't have to be nasty about it. You don't have to be mean. You just yep. set it. And a lot of the time, it's like anything. You just put it there. You just literally like pick it up, your little boundary, you know? Yeah. And you just set it right in front of the person and you just, and then you just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll either try to bulldoze it down or they'll see it and they'll be like, oh, that was the boundary. Okay. And then from there, we're all grown ups and we have decisions to be made. And that's, and that's okay. Like they, you don't. That's the one thing if you go, okay, we were talking earlier about Yelp briefly, like, you know, before we got on the podcast and how like Yelp can be like a demon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I always said, I'm not going to join Yelp because Anthony Bourdain hates Yelpers and I hate him too. And then I was like, oh, I got to join Yelp because it's kind of like a, like a Mecca for new, you know, right. searching out new businesses. It can or... be a really positive thing. Oh, it's a super positive thing. I've actually found that it is more positive then it is negative. It's just that when the negative is negative, it's like 
really negative, it's, right? It's as personal as it can be when yeah. it's about your business. So like, that's the only tricky yeah. part is you have to be you have to be prepared to go. Okay, let me put my big boy pants on, or my big girl pants on, or my right. big whatever pants on, right. and approach this with like a level head because your first reaction is to be like are you fucking serious? Like, you know, like, wait a minute, hold on a second. Or sometimes my first reaction is to like call Amy or call the front desk and be like, what the heck? Did did we really like seriously? No. And then they'll explain or whatever. Right. Okay. So, but my point in, in bringing up Yelp is that, um, it ends up becoming like, you know, a space where you can really, you can really find like, it's it's how you as a business owner I've found that I can put myself my 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 practices into work and one of those practices is a tackling tough situations without like with holding myself accountable accountable but creating those boundaries for clients yeah like because I'm not only speaking to the client that's complaining or concerned or whatever. I'm speaking to the other people who are going to be reading those reviews as well. And like yep. letting people know what dime is about and how, what dimes, you know, will do for you. And that is crucial. Like in this process, that's, that's a really funny thing too, because I feel like sometimes like, you know, you'll get troll. Like I get trolls sometimes on like my Facebook ads, yeah. but I feel like I turn so many people into fans by the way that I handle it. Yes. Like that's the, yes. You like, flip it on its head. Yes. It's, it's uh-huh. Handle it in a smart way. And I think for like, I like that you said, like sometimes you just have to shut up. Cause I think as women, a lot of times, especially we want to over explain yes and I think when we're really clean about like well no this is how it works and just that's it I think that's when like it's respected on the other side or understood but I think also it's about for me it's always a balance of if somebody challenges something about my business or about whatever number one I I know that I need to take a moment I know that I need to be level-headed about it I know that I need to take my emotion out of it and me out of it and I I make sure that I am trying to look at it from their perspective mm-hmm. but then also like not looking at it as the triggered little girl who is going to be like ranting and raving. Like sometimes it's funny to see like the responses from business owners, like on Yelp or whatever it is. And I'm just like, you can't like, I don't know, like just, just being smart and strategic about it and mm-hmm. not again, being a triggered human being all over the internet. Well, and, and it's hard. I think a lot of the time for people to find that balance of like, I want to defend or not. I shouldn't say defend. I just want to explain. Yeah. But it's more pointed than that. It's more like, I want to be clear that what our front desk or like our management or our technicians intentions are and what they have been set out to do. Like, I want to be clear in my responses that like I back my people because, you know, as a business owner, you can't always be like, yes, the customer's always right. Yes. In, in, in mentality, your mentality generally kind of has to be that way, especially in this day and age with the competition. However, they can also be challenged. Yeah. Okay. So like in their head, they're right. Let's maybe say that. Like in their head, the customer's always right. It's all about perception. <laughs> How are they Correct. perceiving this? But then you can take it and and put um, like optics. It's all optics, right? Like you can twist that a little bit and say, okay, but where can we challenge you in the sense that like, so you know where we're coming from. And then so I'll challenge them with like, listen, our front desk it's not because nobody's perfect. You're not a perfect business owner. Your people aren't going to be perfect. There has been times, there has been times where my poor techs have cut like one or two of them come in and like, you know, you've, they've had a hell of a day. Like just getting to work was like insane. Yeah. And then they get in there and they try to go and like, maybe they slip up. We work with sharp tools and they cut someone, you know, that doesn't happen. Literally that happens like 
once every six months. Right. But it happens. Yeah. We're working with sharp tools. Sometimes that happens. We compound services when they, when someone gets cut. No problem. But it's the difference between the customer's pissed off or frustrated, right? We ask them a ton of questions. Do you want to proceed with the service? You want to, we have a whole approach to it. But the difference between the dime customer and then someone who's just not going to fit is we also will have like, we apologize. We will literally immediately make everything right. Do you want to proceed with the service? Do you want to proceed with this technician? Please be honest. If you don't, we make the adjustments. No, no, no ill will, nothing. The tech knows she or he gets up from the chair, goes to the back. So it's not weird for the client, blah, blah, blah. Then we make our choices, their adjustments, and we proceed if we need to. So say, for example, like that client comes on and tries to give us like a really bad Yelp review because they're super pissed. Before they even leave the salon, we let them know not only is your service completely comped, but going forward, we would give you another opportunity to give us a try. And we would be happy to like, you know, put you with a different technician and let you know that this is not something that normally happens and we apologize. If that person decides at that point, like they're just going to go on Yelp and rip us to shreds, my response will be, because you, you, you're not wrong, it's frustrating to get cut, and that's that's scary because people are already nervous about getting their hands and feet done. But my response will literally be like, "We've done everything we can in this situation. Our opportunity, our 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 offer still stands as far as what we've extended, and we would have loved to course correct, but unfortunately, accidents happen. Like, at any point in time, if you've changed your mind, or at any point in time, if this changes for you, please contact us. We'd be more than happy to give you another service. Boom." Yeah. You can either decide to continue with us or not, but guaranteed there, are, there is like, I go into Yelp and I read other people's reviews and I read all their nail salons reviews. Nobody responds in kind, like nobody responds like that. Right. So you're making a choice like, okay, then go to the place down the street from your house and yeah. pay, you know, $15 for a polished manicure and they aren't disinfecting or sanitizing and they aren't taking care of their technicians and don't expect customer service because that's not what you're there for. Totally. And I just make it a rule that I'm not patient with anybody in any circumstance that doesn't remember that people are human. Like, if you can't understand that somebody made a teeny tiny mistake, I don't I, I don't know. And I, one of the biggest rules that I have for myself when it comes to putting up with things with, when it comes to customers is would I do this? Would I say this? Would I ask this? And I don't allow myself to put up with somebody treating me in a way that I wouldn't treat other people. Yeah. Even like, I think I was thinking of Grey's Anatomy and I'm like, some of them had bad days and they might slip in the OR, but like they're human. Oh, like, I never watched that show, but that's kind of great. Yeah. doctors. Like, like, you know what I mean? A doctor can make a mistake. They're Hell a human yeah. being. I mean, so geez, yes. Right. So just, I don't know, just understanding that. I think that I like to surround myself, whether it's a customer or just a friend that understands that humans are humans. Well, and we want those kinds of clients that go, that know that like, okay, maybe this was off or like, you know, people have had been regular customers for, uh, with us for a year. Right. And then they get a bad manicure. The one they, the ones that don't just go, that place has really fallen off or like I got right. one bad manicure, right? I've been kicking ass for a year and then I, one thing goes wrong. Right. And then we don't hear from them again. It's like, you really missed an opportunity. No one's going to take care of you like Dime will. Right. I guarantee you, Sarah, you know that. It's like, we don't yeah. play around. If you would have just reached out and said, hey, my last manicure was subpar. Like, can we turn this, you know, gel manicure ship around mm -hmm. and get this situated? You will be met with the most understanding and kind response. Like, it will be like, I'm so glad you reached out. Thank you. 
yes, we would love to correct this. Come in, let's get you a gel polish change right away. And yes, it's an inconvenience for you to come back. But point is, let we us will fix it. do it for free. Right. Yes. Let like, us try. Come on, get back in here. And I think it's just a note in general for all of us. I think as a lot of us as women, we're not used to, you know, I use, I use the examples in relationships a lot of times. We're like, we're not getting what we want and we're used to just not saying it and we're resentful and we brush it under the rug, this, that, the other thing. And I think, I think just as a, as a general lesson for all of us, if some, like most business owners want to make it right versus you just not coming back or being pissed off, like give us the opportunity to say it, speak up, express that you weren't happy and express that you didn't get what you want. I think most people, not all people, but most people want to fix it. And I think mm-hmm. all of us expressing what we want is one of the biggest lessons. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right. I think we can like talk for another four hours, but we can't do that. So let's wrap it up with, I would just love to hear like, what's, what's the next what's the next thing that you're looking forward to? Like what's the vision for dime in the future? I want dime to, I mean, I'm happy in the fact that already the clients that we've reached and the customers we, you know, that know us, um, dime is already pretty synonymous. Dime nail salon is very synonymous with quality and care. So that has to care, that has to continue. So my next challenge would be to make sure that that stays the core part of our brand as we expand. Um, I would like to see Dime have at least two more locations um, in the year 2020, like at least one more in 2020 and like right at the beginning of 2021, depending on how we, you know, we can make that unfold. But ultimately, I'd like to take it um, national. Like I have big ideas about Dime. And the thing is, is, okay, do you, have you ever heard this place called Chill House in New York? Uh, no, I was okay. thinking Cool House ice cream. Oh. No, <laughs> <laughs> good for you. Is it is it lunch? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, really. Yeah, um, it's <laughs> very delicious. But Chill House is this kind of like full, um, beauty like pampering space. So it's kind of like a spa, but it's a little more like millennial. It's um like a coffee shop in the front, and they're in New York, and then they do uh, manicures and massage and facials, I think, and the whole thing. Now, Dime has always been, I, I don't want to be chill house per se, but like I'm using them as an example of where I'd like Dime to kind of expand. As far as like, I would like Dime to be a place that's almost, it's kind of funny that I'm even saying this out loud because I haven't really talked about it with anyone except my inner circle. But um, okay, here's a good example. I would like Dime to be what it is now, but almost coupled or like, combined with the idea of the wing so you know the wing which is like a women or it's not supposed to be women specific but it's a safe space um and a workspace for women so i'd like dime to be a space where it not only becomes about nails but that there's a open space in the front almost like a workspace um and a a safe space for people to be there outside of just nails so I want every single location that we have to have nail a nail salon in it. Um, and then at some point we'll add like eyebrows and lashes. Um, but those three things specifically, I'm not really into the, like massage or facials. I think those have to be like, there's plenty of massage places and facial places you can go to for that. But a lashes and brows and nails, like full service salon there. And then having it be like almost like a workspace within that, within that um, same, like it's all, a larger space and all within the same building. I love that so much. And I love that, again, 
we have this opportunity to do such cool things now, but I think more than ever, cool things are popping up that people have been craving for years. Yeah. People crave community. People crave a cool place to, like, a lot of adults are lonely. They're craving new friends, and that wasn't cool to say not that long ago. And now it's just like, oh, let's actually talk about this, and, like, let's create a community, or let's create, again, like you said, that safe space to, like, hang and meet new people, whatever it is, and, like, again, like, get, get the things done. I think it's just a really cool thing that we're living in this time that, like, these things are coming to life so much more easily. Yeah, I mean, and I, I want to iron out my idea a little bit more because I think it's important that it's not just another repeat space, like, you know, where someone comes and opens their laptop and nobody talks to each other. There's this, I have this idea of Dime of being at like a truly networking space. So it's almost like the non cis, it's like the, the barbershop version for like, you know, non cis white man or, you know, men yeah. in general. It's like the space that you can go that you know is going to be where you can find other like-minded individuals that are wearing like the coolest stuff or you can kind of get inspiration off of each other but i don't like dimes not rooted in intimidation like it's not exclusive you don't feel that way when you walk in um yes our price points are on the higher end so there is a level of like you know limit there as far as affordability but when you if you can and you you know want to come in and spend your money with dime you won't walk in and feel like it's like a snobbish or you know exclusive place it's a very like come in as you are and let's do this place yeah. and i think that that's important to feel in like a workspace as well i think it would be important to feel um like my idea is to use nails that's why we don't have tvs in dime because i want there to be conversation I want people to be listening to the music and then talking to each other. Yeah. And that naturally folds over into my greater idea about like now we're making deals at Dime. Like at some point there'll be like a Dime collective where dime you deals, feel I mean. like, you know, you feel a part of a community. Yeah. And that community involves like true access to idea makers and trend makers and people who are invested in, you know, seeing women trans non-binary gender like everyone that's in that space succeed and with their own artistic kind of expression and ideas like i want there to be that space because that's not that doesn't exist like no. we have a ton of different spaces um and the wing is a great space they're very open but it's also very like you know it's 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 very specific and yeah. you know you can't not everyone i don't know that everyone feels comfortable in their networking and in that space and like being as i don't know connected as they probably would like to be yeah so yeah. there's always room for more spaces like that of with course. a different kind of vibe let alone here yeah i mean so yeah no i think i think that's needed i think it's necessary and i think it's uh it's exciting just to see again things going in that direction well that's our goal there we 2020 go. here we come awesome well thank you so much <laughs> for being here i really appreciate it let everyone know where you can they can connect with you Okay, you can connect with me. Again, my name is Kristen Diaz-Gima. Um, you can connect with me on Instagram as of right now at dimenails underscore LA. So that's dimenails, plural, underscore LA. You can connect with me through DM. I run our, our Instagram right now. So when that changes, I'll let everyone know. But yes, if you DM, I'm, I'm the one answering you. <laughs> and then you can also reach out to me if you'd like a more direct contact at Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N, at dimenailsla.com. Awesome. Thank you again. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Sarah. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, it's been great.